Welcome to Coming Out of the Spiritual Closet with your host, me, Brittany Wittig. Join me every week to explore and demystify the world of modern spirituality. This week I interview Alyssa Zander. Alyssa is a codependency and relationship coach, a published author, and a podcast host of the podcast Codependency Alchemy. Alyssa is an expert on codependency, and she shares such amazing, actionable advice throughout this episode. You will learn what codependency is, how it's related to the mother wound, how your inner children are related to it. And yes, I said inner children, not just inner child. There's so much packed into this episode, and I'm thrilled to share it with you. So without further ado, here's Alyssa. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me this week. And I am so thrilled to have you here, Alyssa. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to the convo. Yes, definitely. So I guess we'll just go ahead and start with if you could just tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So I am a relationship and codependency coach. I work with women all around the world, just creating brave spaces for women to be seen, women to be heard, women to come to this newfound awareness of patterns and ways of relating in a way that doesn't like place more shame and more guilt than we already place on ourselves. And I just do that through a membership, through my content, Um, and now through my book and podcast that are also like new little adventures for me. Yes, that is so exciting. So you have recently published a book. Um, what is the title of the book? It's called healing the mother wound with mother earth. And it's a book of poetry co-created with poems from some of my like deepest, darkest times in my life and poems that I felt channeled through Mother Earth in my time, just like being out in nature and like actually allowing her to share with me some of the wisdom that I was using on my healing journey. So I compiled it all into a book and now it's in the hands of other people to, to share the magic of, of healing and healing the mother wound. Oh my gosh. I love that. So Okay. I have a few questions. The first question I want to ask is, can you just explain for anyone listening who might not know uh, what is codependency? Yeah. The way that I define codependency is when we place our good feelings about ourselves, our worth on something outside of ourselves. So when we're seeking validation, praise, love, belonging, acceptance on something or someone outside of us. So this can show up through your relationships, through your job, through your material items. Like I think there's been this stigma around codependency for so long that it shows up in relationships with addicts. And that's what we gravitate towards. Like, oh, it's when you enable an addict, but it is so much more than that. And my mission is really showing the collective and showing everyone around the world that codependency is directly linked to healing the mother wound. Um, The mother wound says, you know, I have to do everything by myself. I have to self-sacrifice. I have to overgive. I have to 
I have to be responsible for everyone else's needs without having any of my own because I get my worth. I get my belonging. I get my good feelings about myself through doing and being everything for everyone else. Mm, Okay. That makes total sense. So this really resonates with me when Alyssa reached out to me to come on the podcast. As soon as I read about what she was doing, I was like, oh, this is, this is wonderful. Absolutely. Yes. It's so interesting because I've been on a real journey to heal codependency in myself for several years now. And my listeners know that, uh, in 2021, I was diagnosed with cancer and it was, um, and I went through chemo, radiation, cancer treatment for several months. I'm all cancer-free and healthy now, but it was very clear to me, made very clear to me by the universe, by my guides, that this cancer was very related to my mother wound. It was Mm -hmm. cervical cancer. So it was down in the sacral chakra. And so this is just so fascinating to me because, uh, codependency and the mother wound do seem to be so linked together. And why do you think that is? Yeah. Well, when, so it was actually through my, a a journey that I had with my spirit guides and they were like, your mission is here to heal the mother wound. And I was like, okay, I have no effing idea what that means. So I was like, I grabbed my, I didn't have any clue. I was like healing the mother wound. I mean, I don't have children, even though I was a teacher and a nanny for so many years. Like I do feel like I have a lot of children, not necessarily my own, but I'm like healing the mother wound. What is that? So I took to my journal and just stream of consciousness. I'm here to heal the mother wound. What is that? And it was like, the mother wound is directly linked to codependency. And I'm like, what is that? His words were just dropping in, but I didn't have a relationship with them at all. Mm. And so it began my journey of healing my own codependency and seeing, oh my gosh, these are all the ways that codependency shows up in my life. Oh, and these are all the ways that it's connected to the mother wound. Because when we think about even just what society places on what it means to be a mother, what it looks like to be a mother, right? Like what I was saying before, you have to overgive, you have to self-sacrifice, but also the mother wound is for me, it was not getting the, the love or the safety or the validation that we needed as children And we're trying to reconcile that with our mother that is earth side with us, the mother that we came through when really reconciling the mother wound gets to be us reconciling it, the mother archetyped within ourself, right? It's reparenting. Yeah. Reparenting ourselves and being the mother that we needed. And this does not mean that your mother was unloving or uncaring or, Um, or not present because my mom was all of those things, but there were moments in time where she wasn't sure. Right. Right. Because she was going through her own stuff Mm -hmm. and she has her own wounds. And so I think that what I would love to be a part of in women's lives is releasing our physical mother um, from the burden of needing to reconcile that for us and empowering ourselves. And I noticed that 
when I began to take responsibility of reparenting my own inner child that needed her to be something that she couldn't at that time, it's actually healed my relationship with her because there isn't that enmeshment. Oh, I love this. And so this is so interesting because, um, I just had someone on the podcast who, um, she's a spiritual channel. And one of the things that came through in her transmission was about, um, sacred partnership and how, um, a lot of people, uh, are seeking a partner. They're seeking a divine partner, right? And they're seeking this divine partner because they feel like this person's going to give them this love. And it's interesting because it's actually this codependent thing where they're seeking this external love. And she was talking about how really we have to find that within ourselves. We can't get it from somewhere else. We can't get it externally. And what came up as you were talking is that I think we also, so many of us, in relationship are seeking that love or that, that, um, what we didn't receive from our mothers, from our parents, but especially I think from our mothers. And so we end up, um, almost desperately trying to get this external validation when the reality is, and this is what you, what you talked about reparenting, like we have to give that to ourselves. It has to come from inside. It actually can't come from the outside. Um, I mean, would you agree with that? 100%. And, and I see it with my clients all the time, Mm. even when they do get it from the outside, even when their partner does say the thing or do the thing, it's never quite enough. Yes. Right. They didn't quite do it good enough. They got a gift, but they only got this kind of gift or they did the thing, but they did it with a grumpy attitude. Like, like it's still just like not quite enough because we, yeah, we think it's going to provide us with these good feelings. And, and sometimes it does though, right? Sometimes it does. And this is one of the poems actually in the book that I labeled, like I wrote codependence. Um, It's the title of the poem, but it's like, we believe that someone else can fill, if you imagine in, in the center of your body, there's like a, a vase, right? Or a vessel. We think that we can be filled with somebody else's essence. So if somebody validates us or if somebody pours into us or if somebody apologizes or gives us something, it does, it comes into the vessel and it feels good for a moment, but it's fleeting because it falls out the bottom of the vessel because you can't be filled with somebody else. You can only be filled with yourself. And so, so many of us have this empty void or this vessel within us because we pour into others, not realizing that our, what we're pouring out is also just going through theirs and out the bottom. Yes. What we get to do is fill our vessel. We still get to pour out. And I think this is where um, some people have struggle with what it is that I'm saying, because they think that means don't pour into other people, don't give to other people, which is not necessarily what I'm saying. It's filling yourself up first. And then when you give to others, you're giving from your overflow. So you can actually give without attachment because there's so many of us who are actually giving with conditions. We're not giving unconditionally. We think we are, we say we are, But if that person doesn't say thank you, or if that person doesn't give you praise or validate that what you did was like good or helpful, we immediately are feeling under, under underappreciated. 
They don't appreciate me. They don't care. They didn't even care that I did that. You were looking for something. Giving unconditionally means I have this to give in my overflow. So I'm going to give it to you because you're, you need it. You've asked for it. And I have room to give that. And you don't have to say anything. Right. Yes. That's so good. Uh, I, I love, I've uh, played around with the idea for myself of like, you, you can't give from an empty cup Mm -hmm. and it's so it's the same idea, right? Like you, you have to fill yourself up first. And for me, where this has been super challenging is saying no, when, when I really want to say no, like saying, I don't have, I actually don't have the capacity for this right now, rather than uh, saying yes. So do you find, do you run into this a lot where people have trouble saying no? I feel like that's such a codependent thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you open to workshopping it with me? Sure. Yeah. All my clients. Okay. Same situation. Like Mm -hmm. I'm saying yes. Like I don't want to say yes, but I feel bad if I don't, if I say no. So the question that I always give them, this is the shadow work piece is, Mm -hmm. What is the, what is the fear behind saying no, right? If I say no, then what will that mean about you? Oh yes. Okay. I love this. So for me, the way it goes is if I say no, then the person that I'm saying no to is going to be upset with me. Mm -hmm. And if they're upset with you, mm -hmm. what will that mean? And if they're upset with me, then it's interesting. That feels unsafe to me. Um, that feels dangerous to me. Um, and I, I think it's, a a fear of rejection, but also I think it goes all for me. I think it goes all the way down to, um, my childhood because I lived in a home where if my parents were angry with me, it was dangerous. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's personal for me in my upbringing. Yeah. So now that you know that saying no, yeah, I'm not safe. There's I'm in danger. You yeah. get to then see that there's a part of you, a very young part of you that you are already aware of that is saying, don't say no, because then we aren't safe. Right. So now you current present day, Brittany get to say, I see you. Mm. You think that it's not safe to say no. And then you get to have a conversation with that part. So like, what do you want that part to know? Mm, Okay. Yeah. So this is good. Let's see. What do I, I would want that part to know that it is safe to say no, that if someone is upset with me as an adult, if another adult is upset with me in my adult life, that that's okay. That, that I can't control the feelings of the other adults around me. And so, yeah, telling little Brittany, like, we're not in danger from adults now, the way that we were when we were little kids. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Because that part of you that's saying, no, don't say no, because other people, it's not safe. She's frozen in time. She doesn't know that you're actually however many years old you are now. We want to go back to that part and say, look, look, I'm, I'm an adult. This is how old I am. This is where I live. Like we're, we want to thaw her and bring her 
to our present day, bring her inside our homes and say, see, we are safe. Mm. See, we're not in danger from other adults. I'm an adult actually. And I'm here to protect you. And I'm here to keep you safe. And we aren't actually responsible for other people's feelings. Some people might not like our no, but we're going to be okay. And it's okay. Right. Validating her feelings. Whenever I do something new, that part of me always comes up and says, don't do that. That room isn't safe. Like I see it almost as like rooms in a house. It's like, we've seen this room. We've seen this room. Those rooms are safe, but we haven't seen that one you're about to walk into. Don't go in there. Like that is not okay. There's definitely monsters under the bed in there. And so it's like, I kind of come in and hold her hand and I'm like, yeah, we haven't been in this room before. Mm. This room is scary. This room is black. (laughs) My room is black. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it's scary. You don't know what's going to happen, but it's okay. We're going to figure it out together and I'm going to do it with you. And it's just letting her know that we're in this together, but she doesn't have to protect me anymore because a very wise part of us created that pattern, right? Created that thought, created that belief as a way to keep you safe. The thing is, is that she doesn't realize that you're not in that environment anymore. So we're just reminding them. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's like direct actionable advice for how people can start working on this reparenting. And it's interesting, you know, I, I, uh, what's interesting about this conversation right now is just recently I, I've actually done a lot of work on this, like saying no and reparenting. And it's such perfect timing that we're having this conversation today because I find that healing happens in a spiral and which I'm sure, yeah, you're nodding your head. Yeah. So, and so this is one of those things that's so deep. It's so deeply conditioned in me that I, you know, every once in a while I have to circle back and it's like a little easier each time, but I've been just this week in some situations where I really want to say no, but that fear, that child self inside of me is not wanting me to. So it's perfect timing for us to have this conversation. And I just, I wanted to share that because for anyone listening, this, it's not, it's not a quick fix. It takes coming back over and over. Would you, would you agree with that? In the spiritual healing communities too, I think that's the most important thing for people to really understand and like really begin to like hold close to their heart. It is the first thing I say to people when they come alongside me one-on-one, like this is not a linear process. You will continue to meet this part of you as many times as it comes up. My, my intention and my goal is to give you tools to hold yourself when it does come up. Not if, not if the part that is afraid to say no comes up again, like it is literally when, when she comes up again and it's like inevitable. And I always say like universe, we are totally open to it. Never coming up again. Right. Like, I don't say that that's not possible um, because I'm, I'm sure that it is, but until then, until then we hold her as many times as she's as many times as she comes up and there was this analogy that um, kind of came through for me. If you work with children, or even if you don't work with children or have children, 
Think about if something happened at school, your child came home, they're crying, something, you know, happened that was really upsetting to them at school. Let's say there was a bully, someone said something about them. You're going to hold space for them. You're going to listen to their story. You're going to be like, I hear you. You're you're probably going to give them words of encouragement and wisdom, right? And they're going to go on feeling a lot better. But two weeks later, or two days later, or two hours later, they come back in the house crying because the same thing happened. You don't say, oh, no, we talked about the bully thing. We're past that. No, no, no. I gave you, I already gave you suggestions. I already told you how that goes down. Like we're not talking, like we wouldn't net, we would not do that. Right. right? We would be, would sit with them. We would do the same thing. We would hold space. We would be present with them as they move through it. So why don't we do that for parts of ourselves that come up again and again and again, because this is what I see happen so often is it comes up again and people say, I, I know this from experience, right? Yeah. I did the forgiveness practice. I forgave my mom. I forgave my dad, but here they are triggering me again. Here they are activating me again. I must not have done it right. I must not have done it good enough. Mm. Oh, I have to do it again. Or I have to see someone else. I need to go see another healer and they'll do it for me because they are more, I don't know, equipped to do it. Mm. Right. We start giving our power away and shaming ourselves when it's like, no. It's just the child coming home again from the, with the same experience and we get to hold ourselves through it. It's not healing it and being done with it. It's how do you hold yourself when they come up again? Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. And what comes up for me there is, is always keeping in mind that we are really, really complicated beings that we're very complicated and that we actually do have, we actually do have an inner child. It's like you hear the term inner child, I think, and even I, th- I think people think, oh yeah, sure. There's this part of me that still remembers what I was like when I was a kid. No, you actually have a part of you that is that child still. And that's, yeah. that's what we're talking about communicating with. And that part of you that's a child inside is not going to grow up. So you're going to be working with them. And there's no end point, I guess. Exactly. 100%. And like, there's more than one, like I've got a three-year-old self. I've got a five-year-old self. I've got a teenager self that's super feisty and, you know, has a lot to say, right? Like we, we have different versions of ourselves, And, you know, I think that from my experience, I don't think I know that because I communicate with them, because I listen to them, like I know what they sound like. And not only do I know what they sound like, I know what they feel like. So because I've extensively worked with them, I know when I'm in a, in a pattern, right? I know when I'm in a belief, I know when one of them has basically taken the driver's seat and is going on a joy ride, right? I'm like, oh no, 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 this isn't me. (laughs) This isn't me. I know who this is. Like, Let's pull over the car. Like, no, 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 you are not driving. You can't even touch the pedals. Like you're going to fly us off the cliff. You know, it's reminding them like, okay, get in the back. We're not abandoning them, right? We're not leaving them on the side of the road saying you can't come, but we are going to buckle you up in the back seat. You don't get a roadmap. You don't get to tell us where we're going, but you do get to come along for the ride. So 
Sometimes there's multiple parts of me that come and take the driver's seat throughout the same day. Sometimes I'm driving for like a whole week and it's super nice, but we can't always know what's going to trigger or activate us. Right. Yes, definitely. Oh, that's so interesting. So let's see. I wonder if someone is just starting to like someone's listening to this and it's resonating, but this is very new information for them. Where is a good starting point for Mm -hmm. people to just kind of start digging into this kind of Mm -hmm. work? Yeah, I think that's the main, one of the main reasons why I created the book, right? Like I created the book because I wanted to lead people through the journey that I lead people in my one-on-one mentorship through, but a one-on-one mentorship space can feel a little bit too much, right? Especially for people who experience codependency where it's like, oh, I can't give myself that space to be fully seen. I can't give myself that space to be fully held. So it's like, it's like that little piece, like entry point of let me create awareness of the distortions that exist in my life, because the book is divided into three sections, distortion, divinity, and destiny. And that distortion piece is so illuminating because it's just going to start showing you where some of the distortions live within your life. Um, I would say the thing that helped me the most was the inner child work and shadow work. If you don't know anything about it, Google it, look it up, just start getting familiar with what that even means. Because I truly think that shadow work is what will heal shadow work and inner child work is what will heal the entire world that will heal the entire planet because we will come into sovereignty when we begin to heal codependency. Like the antithesis of codependency is sovereignty. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, and for, uh, listeners, um, I'm going to put in the show notes. There are episodes of coming out of the spiritual closet, one that specifically focuses on inner child work and one that specifically focuses on shadow work. So I'll put Mm -hmm. those in the show notes. If you just want an intro um, Mm -hmm. to those things. So your book, that sounds fascinating. And now the book, um, I think, did you say it's a book of poetry? So you read, is it, um, do you read the poems and just see how they resonate with you? Is that kind of the idea of how you work with it? Yeah. So there's a couple different ways that you can use the book. Okay. The first one would be you read it cover to cover. That's how I would suggest reading it starting out. But there's also an, another intention behind it, which is to use it as an Oracle. So I have had people who have read the book cover to cover, but now they have it like on their, you know, table and they'll open it and just say like, and this is in the, the book too, like, just saying a prayer, right? Mother Earth, show me what it is that I meant to see more clearly today. Show me what this experience is trying to show me. And then just flip it open to a page um, and let that land for you. So that's how I use the book a lot of times. Like if I'm feeling really stuck, I'll just flip through the pages until I hear stop or what, however, however you come into relationship with the book. So it can be just flipped open to a page and you can read the medicine and and then relate to it. Mm, Oh, how cool. Okay. So I'm definitely going to have a link to the book in the show notes um, for anyone listening that wants, that wants to grab that. That's, oh, it sounds great. I'm definitely, I have to grab one for myself. (laughs) 
That <laughs> yeah. sounds amazing. So I feel like, I just wonder your opinion on this. It seems to me that codependency is, um, it's, it, it seems to me like it's everywhere. Like it's a part, I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that isn't affected on, that isn't at least a little bit codependent because it seems like our society is a bit codependent. What do you think about that? You nailed it. Like you nailed it. I, yeah, I've made content about like, if you grew up on the, in, on the planet in the last like 10 generations, it is likely you experience codependency. And that's why like the mission is so big. It's like, we just need to become aware of what codependency means. And that's why I think the way that I define it, when you place your worth or your good feelings on about yourself on something or someone outside of you begins to broaden your horizon of like, it's not just romantic partnerships. It's not just relationships, right? It's, it's your relationship to material things. And and you're right. Society primed us for this, right? Through marketing, through school, even right. Your, your grades dictate how you like dictate if you're smart or not smart. Right. So I have to get good grades in order to be smart. Or if I get bad grades, that means I'm not smart when like, that's not even true. Wow. Oh, I never thought about that, but absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was an educator before this, so I have a lot of feelings about, about education (sighs) and just how it has really boxed. Think about codependency is all the ways that you're boxed in right? All the way to the box in, because I want to look or be a certain way in order to be accepted in order to be successful, right? We have these ideas of what it means or what it looks like to be successful or happy, right? I can only be happy when I have this much money or this kind of car or this kind of relationship. Right. And it comes and there's this deep feeling or this deep fear in so many of us, maybe most of us of social rejection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because society is telling you this. So if society's telling you this, if you don't, if, if you don't conform in these ways, then does that mean social rejection? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I never even thought about grades in school, but yeah, absolutely. And friend groups in school, right? Like there's just so many and and movies, right? Movies and even songs, like songs tell you that love looks this, you know, very specific way. So we're out there seeking the spark when like a lot of times a spark is, is literally a trauma bond. Like somebody is igniting your trauma and that it's actually your body responding to a wound as opposed to love at first sight. But that's a whole nother tangent that I would could get started on. Ah. But, but we really, we really want to look and see, not even look and see, but, but ask ourselves, like, is this my dream? Is this, or is this a dream of somebody else? Is this a dream that somebody else has, has dreamt up for me and I've accepted it as my own? Yes. Oh, interesting. And then I feel like it's something that's coming up for me as you talk to is almost, there's almost this reverse codependency that can happen too, 
where we expect other people to, and I don't know what you call this, but this is uh, where we expect other people to be a certain way or a way that we want them to be. And so it feels like, it feels like an important piece of this also is maybe letting go of our expectations of the people around us or the stories we're telling ourselves about the people around us or something. Yeah. Yeah. When we want, um, for example, like our partners, I'll use my partnership for example, cause we've gone through all the seasons of this, mm-hmm. um, in the very beginning of our relationship, our first four years together, I needed him to be a certain way. And it was basically everything he wasn't right. I needed him to stop playing video games. I needed him to stop being on YouTube. I needed him to stop like not being social. I needed him to be all these things. I, and then I began to figure out why do I need that? Because I don't feel safe because I think he needs to be or look a certain way in order for me to be safe because I'm doing my healing. He needs his healing needs to look the way I'm doing it. Mm. Right. Okay. He's not healing. So if he's not healing, then I'm not safe. So I need to project it onto him to get him to be something he's not. Mm. Now that happened for four years. We broke up. He was like very happy and like light and airy and everything that I had always wanted. And I was like, why is that? Well, because I put him in this box and like needed him to be something and that pressure, you know, repelled him. Right. It, it, he was always feeling inadequate. It was never, he was never good enough. Right. Okay. Um, We, I, when we broke up, there was no expectation or idea that we're going to get back together, but now we're four years into the second half of our relationship where he still plays video games. He still watches YouTube. He still does all those things, but the way that I experience him is night and day, night and day, because I created my own safety for myself. I don't need him to be like something for me. Right. I just get to enjoy him. Like I literally just get to enjoy him and enjoy his presence and enjoy who I am in relationship to him. I don't need him to fit into any of these boxes. And a lot of the women in the codependency alchemy membership, right. They're in relationships. So we're talking about a lot of these relationship dynamics where we're projecting these expectations onto our partners. And what are we getting? we're getting like projections right back. There's just this constant conflict of the other person just not being good enough, not being enough. Like it's, it's, we get what we give basically. And so it's, it's encouraging them to be like, try this, just try it. Just try saying, you know, taking responsibility for what you did instead of pointing out what they didn't do or what they did. Sure. And it's so fascinating to watch them come back in, in these membership calls and being like, whoa, that worked. Oh my gosh, this is what happened. He apologized and I didn't have to ask him to like all of these things start shifting in our relationship when we stop focusing on them and what they're doing or not doing and just start focusing on us and what we're doing and what we need. Yes. Ooh, that's so good. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Yeah, that's very powerful. And the thing that's so interesting about this is that this can also apply to familial relationships, friendships, um, you know, all the relationships in our lives, right? Like this same kind of idea. I feel like this happens with friends a lot, like expecting each other to be a certain way 
Absolutely. Yeah. And especially like, depending on when you, when that friendship was created, did you create that friendship in, you know, grade school or did you create that friendship in adult life? Because those are very different types of friendships. Um, they can be. And so, yeah, it's, it's been really neat to see, you know, how my newly cultivated really friendships have looked and how starkly different that they, how starkly different they are than when I was in my twenties. Yes. Oh my gosh. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. I can relate to that very, very much. Once I started consciously doing work with my codependency, like, yeah, my friendships, uh, began to look completely different. You can say no. And people are like, absolutely. Yeah. Let's reschedule. You're like, Oh yeah, that was easy. You say no to like, you know, a friend that you made 10 years ago, you're like, Oh my gosh, they're going to be so mad at me or the, or there's passive aggressiveness or whatever there is. It is, it is very interesting to, to navigate. Yes. Well, this is amazing. This has been so interesting. I feel like this has just been a ton of really powerful information. Thank you very, very much. If someone wants to work with you, how would they do that? Yeah. So I like, I live on social media. So like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, those are great ways to connect with me. I am responding to all comments, all DMs at all hours of the day. Like that is what brings me joy. Um, Of course I have my own boundaries around that, but that does not mean don't reach out to me through those platforms. Like that is where most people connect with me. Um, But that to say, I have links in my bio to my stand store. My stand store has all of my offerings, applying to work with me one-on-one, joining the membership, which is an amazing, like you're also asking, you know, how do people dip their toe in? The membership is such a great way for people to begin to dip their toe in, in a community of women where like, we are uncovering a different codependent theme every month that the group votes on. So I send a couple options, the membership, women in the membership vote like, okay, I want to talk about boundaries or no, I want to talk about people pleasing and whichever one wins, we talk about it for that month and move through a masterclass and a group coaching call. And, um, all of that is available in my stand store as well. Awesome. Okay. Great. So I'm going to put um, links to all of this in the show notes. So people who are listening right now, just scroll on down there. It's all there for you. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was so much fun. I love the I love the conversation and I just really appreciate you doing this with me. So thank you. And everyone have a beautiful week. I'll catch you next time.